Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, open with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And as you do, would you say this with me today? I receive the Word of God, the prophet me, reproof me, convict me, and instruct me to righteousness that I may become perfect and thoroughly furnished on all good works. You know, I believe it's important that we understand that we are the righteousness of God. And the reason why I believe that's so important, we need to get into this really mindset that we are chosen of the Lord. We are God's favorite. And the reason is that, as Vicki was saying, for those who are going to walk upright before God, they're going to see supernatural intervention of God in their lives. You know, regardless of what goes on in the world, it's just like Israel when they were in the land of Goshen and all these plagues were happening in Egypt, they weren't touched by it because they were God's chosen, okay? And the same thing's going to happen, I believe, in this last day is that, yeah, we're going to see some negative things going on out there. And and one of the reports and and prophetic words that were spoken was that, you know, it's going to be so bad, we're just going to have to turn the news off and say, my gosh, I did not realize it could get this bad. You know, and it, and it can, you know, and that's not to put fear in anybody's heart. What Vicki was saying, she's a real prophet. She's telling the body of Christ, hey, I'm trying to prepare you. That's what a prophet does. I'm trying to prepare you, you know, keep pressing into the things of God. You won't be disappointed. Amen. You know, but we have to get this understanding that we are a child of God and that we are the righteousness of God. Because as we walk in this victory, guess what other people are going to do? They're going to persecute us. Well, how come you got it so good? Because I serve God. Well, if God's so good, why is he letting all these things happen? He's not. You are. I never forget that when I was running for city council, they asked me this question in one of those environmental debates we were having. And they said, do you think this climate change is man-made? I said, absolutely. They didn't ask me anything else after that. The reason I think it's man-made is because of man's sin, not because of stuff that's going in the air. Dear Lord, God created this earth to take care of itself, you know. But uh, I believe it's because of sin that's in the world. You know, the Bible says uh, the whole earth is groaning for the sons of God to manifest. In other words, come out of your closet and be who God's called you to be. You are the righteousness of God. And I'll never forget one time, you know, someone said, you know, to me, and, and they said it in a derogatory way, in a way to try to make me feel bad. You just think you're better than everybody else. And you know what? You're right. <laughs> I do. You know, and if that bothers you, you can be like me, you know. I think I've been chosen of the Lord. I've been, I, I'm the righteousness of God, you know, and they want to beat me down and the reason they want to beat you down and browbeat you and make you feel bad, you know, is because they aren't where you're at and they're under conviction. And because they're not where you're at and they're under conviction, they want to draw you down to their level so they feel good about themselves. But, you know, don't give up. You are the righteousness of God. If you have your Bibles opening with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 
as I continue this series on the benefits of righteousness. Starting with verse 12, it says, For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you an opportunity to boast on your behalf. Look what God's doing in you. Look what God's doing in you. That you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. What is it about? It's about what's in your heart more than anything else. You know, people can look good on the outside, but what's on the inside? Right. You know, it's kind of funny because Vicky doesn't know this, but, but uh, you know, we, we were preparing and, and she was getting ready to uh, uh, come to church and, and uh, you know, just getting dressed and everything. So I was, I was alone and I just took some time before God. I said, God, if there's anything in my heart that's not pleasing to you, I want to know that. I want to please you with everything I do. My attitude, my lifestyle, everything that I do. I, I want to please you. I want my thoughts to be pleasing to the Lord. You know, and everything I do. And, you know, and this is, there's nothing wrong with praying that prayer. Am I really seeking after you first, God? Because, you know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. That's one of the benefits of, of righteousness. And then it says here in verse 13, For if we are besides ourselves, it's for God. And if we're of a sound mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we've judged this, that if one died for all, then all died. Otherwise, other words, we can say, I'm crucified with Christ. One of my favorite scriptures is Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless not I. But Christ that lives within me, in the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he died for me so I can, I can die to my old nature. But as Paul said, one thing I do, this one thing I do, I forget those things behind me and I press to obtain that which Christ attained for me. And this is why it's so important, again, that we understand that we're in right standing with God so we can receive all that God has for us. This is why it's so important to judge yourself righteous. God said you're the righteousness of God. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. And if he died for all, those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one to the flesh, even though we known Christ according to flesh, yet now we know him, thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, now that should be you. Is that you? Everybody here in Christ? Okay, that's you. Anyone is Christ, he's a new creation. And that word creation means the original. Just like Adam and Eve were in the garden before sin ever entered in. Now, when God visited with Adam and Eve in the garden, he had given them everything that they needed. They, needed, they, didn't, they did not need to ask God for anything. They had everything they needed. Well, see, this is what God wants to, you to get back to that place that according to his divine purpose, according to his divine power, 2 Peter 1, 3 says, he's given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Just like Adam and Eve lived a life where they didn't, even have to ask God for anything because it was already provided. He wants us to get into that place to know that everything that we need is already provided. 
you know, a lot of times, but Pastor, will you pray that I get healed? Well, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but you know what? You don't need to pray to get healed. You need to pray that you can receive the healing he provided. You know, you don't need to pray that you overcome this. You need to pray that you have the grace that he's provided for you to overcome this. See, that's the key. A lot of these things are already provided. He wants us to get us, wants us to get this mindset that we're back in that place where we know his provision's already there. He wants to do that for us. And so to be a new creation means that you're a new original. You're just like Adam and Eve were before uh, sin ever entered in. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things become new. You know, you've heard me say it before, but I'm going to say it again and again and again. But this is what we need to press into is the fact that we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. And behold means to take hold of it as if it becomes a part of you. To take hold of it so it becomes a part of who you are. So that you can walk in this new creation that God's created you to be. So old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new again. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing, not holding account not holding an account is what that really means of their trespasses. You know, God's not up in heaven going, man, I, I got a list of all the wrong things you did. No, he's up in heaven got a list of all the right things you've done. That's what he's doing. And it says here, now we are ambassadors uh, for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God for he made him. Now, this is a little tricky, so let me just break it down for you. For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What does that really mean? That means that God exchanged Jesus' life without sin for your life of sin. In other words, Jesus became the sacrifice. You know, well, I missed it, so therefore, you know, God's probably mad at me. No, no, God's already, the price of your sin has already been paid for. And that's what a lot of people have a hard time with. Because, you know, we live in a society of, you know, where, where everything, you know, is merited. Okay, everything's based on our merit or our, our goodness or our abilities, you know, and it's hard for us sometimes to wrap our heads around the fact that, you know, our righteousness is not based on our goodness. It's based on what Jesus provided for us. He put you in right standing with God. That's why it's so important to understand that God puts you in that right standing. You know, Vicki and I years ago got involved in this organization called ICFM, International Convention of Faith Ministers. And our pastor said, hey, I'd like for you guys to go to the convention in, in Little Rock, Arkansas. 
So we went, you know, and I had applied and sent all my fees in and, and, and you know, and never got any type of letter or recognition that I was a part of it, you know. So we go in, you know, we're thinking that we're members, you know, we're, you know, Pastor Bob is one of the original trustees of this organization. And, and so we go and we sit down, you know, where are the ICFM members? Well, we sit down. So we sit down there because, you know, we're members. We paid for our, 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 um, our dues and, and uh, we, we filled out the application and all that, you know, and we're sitting there and this officer says, sir, could you come here, please? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you're not allowed to sit here. And I go, well, why? He goes, because you don't have a red dot on your badge. And I was like, well, what's a red dot mean? A red dot means that you're a member of ICFM. I said, well, I am a member of ICFM, you know. And so he said, well, you don't have the red dot, so I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, and you can't sit here. Well, were we ever embarrassed, you know? You never sit down somewhere and someone says you can't sit here, you know? And so we were so embarrassed by that, so... Anyway, so we just went back, and we just sat in the back row. <laughs> and here comes Pastor Bob, you know, original trustee. He said, what are you guys sitting back here? I said, we don't have a red dot. <laughs> he goes, what does it mean you don't have a red dot? I said, apparently we're not members of ICFM. He said, well, I know you filled it out. I sent in your recommendation, you know, to recommend you for this. I know it's on. I said, we did too. He said, come with me. And so he sat us with him on the front row, right? We sat on the front row. Well, see, now that made us feel pretty good. Well, see, that's what God's done for you. The world says you're this, but God says, no, you're front row people. You're front row people. You know, it doesn't matter what the usher says if you don't have a red dot. I don't care if you have a red dot or not. You can sit on the front row with us, you know. And so anyway, the the person who was working for it, you know, he, he got in our face and and uh, this was, was gotten to flesh a little bit. And so anyway, Pastor Bob and Barry Tubbs, some of you know Barry Tubbs, they said to him, they said, we're going to go to the office and we're going to look this application up. He goes, I'm too busy. He said, no, we're going to the office. And they found my application. It was never processed, you know. And so when we walked in and the guy said, well, I'm sorry, yeah, you, you got applied and all this other stuff. For some reason, we didn't process everything. I said, do I get a red dot? And he goes, no but we still sat on the front row. <laughs> you know, and it goes back to sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. Isn't that how you get to heaven? <laughs> it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, you know, and, and, and so, you know, Pastor Bob, one of the original trustees, and Barry Tubbs, you know, was part of it too and everything. They said, no, he qualifies. See, we couldn't qualify ourselves. But they qualified you. They qualified us. Well, Jesus qualified you. Amen. You know, so you don't have nothing to be ashamed of. You know, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to get in the flesh. I didn't. You know, I, I cast down the temptation of going, nah, nah, boo-boo to that guy who was, you know. But I didn't do that, you know. I, I wanted to so bad. But, you know, no, you know, but you know what? Hey, Jesus qualified you. This is where you have to understand. Just like Pastor put us on the front row because he could, Jesus put you on the front row because he can. He qualified you to receive all that he has for you. That's why it's so important that we get this mindset that I'm the righteousness of God. 
You say, well, Pastor, I blow it from time to time. Who doesn't blow it from time to time? You know, as we look at the Word of God, we're, we're going from glory to glory. That means that, you know what, we're going to change, you know. And as long as you're pressing into God, let me help you with something. When you're seeking God's will, you're in God's will. When you're putting God first, He knows your heart. He knows if you're putting Him first. He knows, the Bible says, He knows our frame. He knows what you're made of, okay? So He's given you a tolerance, and that word tolerance is what we call mercy. Tolerance is an engineering term, but mercy is what He's done. He's given you this mercy so that if you do miss it, the Bible says we have an advocate with the Lord Jesus Christ so that if we do miss it, he's already forgiven us anyway. He's qualified you. Now, that doesn't give us a license to miss it, but when we're seeking God and we're going after God, you know, then we know that he's qualified us to be able to receive all that he has for us. It's not based upon our works. And this is what I tried to explain last week about Abraham. It wasn't based on Abraham's work. I mean, dear Lord, you know, Abraham's wife came and said, you know, uh, if you really want to have a child, go sleep with my handmaiden. And Abraham didn't bat an eye about it. He went and did that. He got in his own strength. And God did not hold that against him. But he believed God. And God said, no, you and Sarah will have a son. And he believed God. And the Bible says because he believed God, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. So the start of walking in this righteousness is just to believe what God's done for you. I call it the great exchange. He made a wonderful exchange. He exchanged his own son who knew no sin to become sin so that you may be put in a place of right standing with God. That's why it says in John 1.12, as many as received him, he gave them the power or the privilege or the authority or the right to become the sons of God. And God looks at you because you're in Christ. He doesn't see your flesh. He sees your spirit. And he sees you the same way he sees his own son. Now, is God disappointed with Jesus? Absolutely not. I mean, it was even recorded, you know, that God said from heaven, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. God's not unpleased with, if he's not unpleased with Jesus and you're in Christ, he's not unpleased with you. And this is the mindset that we need to begin to develop that we're in right standing with God so we can receive from God. You know, it was going to be hard for Vicki and I to receive in that conference sitting on the back road. I have to be honest with you. But when we were put on the front row, even though we didn't have a red dot, I almost went to the uh, office depot store and bought a red dot just to say I had one, but I knew that wasn't right. You know, but because someone had the authority to put us on the front row. We were able to receive. Come on, somebody. We didn't have to live, you know, a belittled mindset, deal with a belittled mindset that we were trying to get something we didn't deserve. No, we were put on the front row by somebody who had the authority to put us on the front row, and we were able to receive. Well, I'm here to tell you that God's put you on the front row so that you can receive all that he has for you. This is why it's so important. He put Abraham on the front row. Was Abraham perfect? By no means he wasn't perfect. I mean, dear Lord, when he was under stress, you know, and he was around a bunch of enemies, he told his wife, tell everybody you're my sister. 
Good job, Abraham. I want to tell you something. That wouldn't fly in my house. I couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't tell my wife, hey, listen, I'm, I'm kind of scared that, you know, you're so beautiful that they're going to want you, which is true. But, you know, that, but, you know, why don't you tell them you're my sister so they don't kill me for your sake? You mean you'd offer me up, Abraham? I mean, what a real man. I mean, no, he, he was a coward at that time. But, you know, God didn't hold that against him. God still put him on the front row. And God still did what he said he was going to do. Why? Because Abraham believed. And that's the key. You have to believe what God says about you. You are in right standing. You are the righteousness of God. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. You are the righteousness of God. You're in right standing with God. You cannot be in any, in any more right standing with God than as, as Jesus is in right standing with God. And in fact, you're in so great of a place with God, the Bible says he, he has seated you with him in heavenly places. Now, if you weren't right with God, would you be in heavenly places? No. He has seated you in heavenly places. That means he has put you in a position that you can receive all that heaven has for you. That's why I shared James chapter 5, verse 16 last week. It says that, you know, if we confess our faults one another and pray for one another, that we'll be healed. But the last part of it says that the, the, the prayer of the righteous, the fervent prayer of a righteous man, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What that really means is because you're in right standing with God, when you pray, everything that you pray and when you pray, it makes all that heaven has available to you. Well, pastor, is that really true? I mean, come on. I mean, can I really walk? What did Je How did Jesus teach us to pray? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would Jesus teach us to pray that if he didn't want us to have that? Jesus taught us to pray that. We need to get this mindset that we're in right standing, that we can receive from Jesus, from God, all that he has for us. Now, years ago, I've, I've never had a problem with this, but some people have, you know. Years ago, you know, some people were like, you know, some of these ministries that have all this money, you know, they're, they're prospering. And so, you know, it never bothered me because, you know, I figured, well, I'm next. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you're next. Amen. You know, when you rejoice in God's blessing in other people's life, you're just putting yourself up to, the, you're putting yourself up to be the next person to do it. That's really the truth. Don't judge somebody for having too much. Amen. Amen. But anyway, I was praying about it, and I said, Lord, what about it? I said, what about this particular ministry? And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, he knows me as his father. Wow. Think about that. You know? Now, you know, I, I, I knew my parents pretty well. They didn't give me everything I wanted, but pretty close. You know, if I wanted something and they really knew I wanted it, they would try to help me get it. You know, I had pretty good parents. They weren't perfect parents. They're not a perfect family, and we're not going to go there. But, you know, I knew my, my parents. If I wanted something, they would help me get it. If I really wanted something, my dad didn't want me to have it. I'd go to my mom, and my mom would tell my dad I ought to have it. <laughs> I was a mama's boy. I was born on Mother's Day. What can I say? I knew how to get it. But my point is, if, if I knew my parents want me to have it, how much more should I know that my heavenly father wants me to have it? Now, I made mistakes with my parents. They forgave me. They corrected me. They forgave me. 
But you know, it never stopped me from asking for things because they were my parents. I mean, you know, they were my parents. There's, you know, until the day they died, they were my parents. They're still my parents, but they're on, gone on to be with the Lord. You know, and they'd do anything they could for me. Well, how much should we have that mindset with God? Why is it because my parents would do anything for me? Because there's an inheritance that put me in right standing with them. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. Help me preach this message. This is part of your inheritance as a child of God, that you're the righteousness of God. That you have this inherited ability, this inherited gift that God's given you, that because of your faith in Christ, you can inherit your righteousness, which puts you in right standing to be able to receive all that God has for your life. Are we doing good this morning? So we know that being in right standing with God puts us in a place to make all that heaven has for availeth much to us. Go with me to Isaiah 61, starting with verse 1. Jesus, he shared this in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. What's good tidings to the poor? Don't have to be poor no more. You don't have to stay there. I'll make a way for you. I'll prosper you. I'll cause everything that you put your hands to to prosper. Why is it that some people don't step out? Because they're confined by the limits that man has put on them. You know, can you see yourself being a business person? Well, you know, I had a, I had a third grade teacher that told me I wouldn't amount to anything. Well, that third grade teacher was wrong. She's not God in your life. That's what it means, the fear of man. In other words, you take what man says more about you than what God says about you. And see, man will always create a world with limitations. They'll base it on your abilities. But you know what? God says, I'm not basing this on your ability. I'm basing this on my ability. So he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison of those who are bound. When it says here he has sent me to heal the broken heart, many times we feel like that means people who, who are hurt emotionally because of some negative things that they've gone through in life, which that's part of it. But also a broken heart is a heart that's not complete or doesn't receive, hasn't received the completion that God's done in so that they can think the way God wants them to think. So when you have a broken heart, you can't think the way God wants you to think. But he's come to heal that. It's come to heal your thinking so that you can think bigger. You know, today when I was in prayer, I was thinking about this story that Brother Jerry was sharing. And he was over in uh, uh, Africa talking to the dignitaries over there about building a hospital and everything. And they brought Oral Roberts with him. And Oral Roberts was sitting at the other end of the, pa- uh, other end of the table. And as Jerry was talking to this dignitary, Oral Roberts was just really disgusted. And he's taking pieces of paper, wadding them up, and throwing them at Jerry in this meeting. Now, that'd be pretty rude, wouldn't it? And so finally, Jerry said, Brother Roberts, you got a problem? He says, yeah, I have a problem. He goes, well, what is it? He said, Jerry, you're not thinking big enough. You're asking them for three acres. You need to ask them for ten acres. And he said, well, Brother Roberts, it is my meeting after all. And Brother Robert says, no, but he says, I know that God brought me here to tell you to think bigger. You need to ask for 10 acres. So he looked at him and said, well, can I have 10 acres? And they said, yes. <laughs> I don't know why I was thinking about that this morning, but I was thinking about that. You know, so many times 
we limit God to what we can do with what God gave us. Hmm? But what can God do with more that he can give us? And so he wants us to get hold of that. See, to proclaim liberty of the captives, we're so captive by the natural realm. We're so captive by what the world says we can do or what we can accomplish. You know, and we're also captive by other people's opinions. Well, what would people think if I got real rich? Who cares? Amen. You know, I shared this with men yesterday, and I've shared this with you many times. And people criticize you only for two reasons. Only two. They'll criticize you for being a failure, and they'll criticize you for being a success. Those are the only two reasons. So you might as well be a success and get over it, Amen. right? You know, there are going to be critical people over there, but you know what? You can't let that captivate you. You can't let the, what their thoughts about you. Well, you think you're so good. You know, you're so blessed. And you just think God bless you no matter what you do. Yeah, I do think God's going to bless me no matter what I do. You know? Because I'm his favorite. Look, if God's going to do anything, he's going to do it for me. I'm his favorite. I understand the favor of God. I know favor is not fair to people who don't understand it. But you know what? That's all right. I'm going to receive the blessings of God. That'd be like, you know, you know, uh, 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 the motorcycle that my dad gave me. You know, and I'm riding my motorcycle. Well, you know, did your dad give you that? You know, browbeating me. You didn't deserve that. You know what? I didn't deserve it, but I got a good dad. He got it for me anyway. You know? Well, I got a good father. He did it for me anyway. I didn't deserve it, but he, do he does it for me anyway. You know, why should I be ashamed of what my father does for me? Right. And see, these thoughts captivate us. But you say, I'm here to set the captives free. The opening of prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all those who mourn. To console those who mourn in the church or in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Trees of what? Right. Righteousness. So you're a tree of righteousness, aren't you? The planting of the Lord, that he may be what? Glorified. What does that mean? That means people will see that God's favor on you and God's blessing on you so that it will glorify God in you. When people begin to see God's favor on your life, and when people begin to see God's blessing on your life, it glorifies Him. For those who, who are, are new, I'm going to share this story again. It's my message. I guess I can preach it the way I want to. But, you know, but we were in uh, Switzerland and uh, doing a missions conference there. And like I do, I talk about the favor of God. I got the favor of God in my life. You know, the more I talk about the favor of God, the more it manifests in my life. Yeah. I mean, if God's going to do anything, he's going to do it for me. You know, if God's going to, if there's going to be favor, it's going to be on my life. And so anyway, so, you know, uh, I didn't know this, but uh, one of the ministers that was there, several ministers gathered together to bless the missionaries overseas and and called Times of Refreshing. And I didn't know this, but uh, I found out later, every time I talked about the favor of God, it irritated this minister. So anyway, we were going back home, and we had gotten our hotel, 
and everybody else had gotten a hotel on, on the other side of the airport. So we were all going back to the airport, spending the night at the hotel so we can catch our flights the next morning. I said, well, I'm going to call my hotel and see if they'll just cancel it. I know it's past the time, but, you know, I have the favor of God, and maybe they won't charge me. So I called them up, and I said, hey, it's Tom Luther here, and, you know, I know I was supposed to cancel earlier. I said, but I'd like to cancel my reservations. Can you do that for me? Yeah. I said, would you not charge me the, the cancellation fee? No, we won't charge you. I just said, all right, praise God, favor of God. And this man, he's sitting there, you know, and, and, and of course, he told me later on when that happened, it just made, made him more irritated. So we went to the hotel. I didn't have reservations where they were at. We got to the hotel, and I went to the front. I said, look, I said, uh, hey, listen, I don't know if you got an extra room here. They got, we got one room left. I said, oh, praise God, that's a favor. God, how much? He said, $99. So that minister came up and tapped me on the shoulder. He said, look, he said, I am so angry with you. He said, you talked about this favor. And he said, I got so disgusted with this favor. He said, but obviously the favor God's on you. He said, my hotel room cost me 129 He said, I reserved it several months ahead of time. You walk up here and you get a better deal than I get. Obviously the favor of God's upon you. Amen. Who does that glorify? God. This is why God wants to pour his favor out upon you. That you be called the trees of righteousness. Why the trees of righteousness? So you get this understanding, I'm in right standing from God, so I can receive from God. So that as you are planted in the things of God, that God can manifest his blessings and his favor on your life so that it glorifies him. Isn't that awesome? You know, God wants to bless you because it glorifies him. How many of you want God to be glorified? How many of you see be how many of you ever sing be glorified? You know what you're saying? Bless me, Lord, so much that it glorifies you. That's what you're really saying. We don't, we don't put the two together, but that's what God's want, wanting to do. He wants to bless you to such a degree that it glorifies him. Amen. It's not just for you, it's for him. You know what my parents did when I told people I got the best parents in the whole world? You know what that did to my parents? I got a good son there. What's it say when you say, I got the best father in the whole world? It blesses him. And what's that cause him wanting to do? Just do more for you. Yeah, he's a chip off the old block, you know. Well, I would tell people, I got the best parents in the whole world. I'm telling you, they are great. They are so awesome, you know. And that got back to my parents. You're a fine son, you know, and wanted to do more for you. Well, the same with our Heavenly Father. That's how he's glorified. Am I doing okay this morning? So as a result of this, being in right standing, then we're going to step into that place that we're going to be an impact to our community. Man, that's our vision. That's our desire, to be an impact in this community. You know, I was looking around. I had the privilege of being a substitute teacher this last Thursday, and it was so joyful to me. But one of the things that touched my heart more than anything else is that as we did our early morning pledges and we had prayers, one of, this, one of these little girls jumped up and said, pray for Israel. Oh, my gosh. Touched my heart, you know. But we're touching a community that's causing them to remember to pray for Israel. We are touching a community, but you know what? God wants to do more. Well, who do you think you are? You know, when we first started the church, one of the guys, I was at a, a minister's 
uh, gathering here in town, and he walked up to me and he said, you know, I don't know who you think you are coming to this town to start a church. I said, well, thank you very much. I feel the welcome. You know, but you know what? All of Columbia is not saved yet. Right. You know, and I welcome anybody who's going to walk up right before God and do it right and, 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 and glorify God. Amen? But you know what? God wants us to be in right standing so he knows, so we know that he wants to bless us to the point that we have the means or can get the means to make a difference in our community. Glory to God. So as a result of being the righteousness of God, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to rebuild the ruined places. That's what it says there in verse 4. We'll raise up the former desolations. You know, we're going to bring Columbia back to what it's originally called, the city of the dove. I don't know how, I don't know when, but, you know, I believe there's going to come a day where our school system is going to call me up and say, Pastor Tom, can you come to our schools and pray for our students? We've done everything we know to do and nothing's working, but we need something. I believe our public schools is going to be reaching out to the church again and say, hey, bring the church back into the school because it's going to get that bad. I believe that in my whole heart. You know, I was asked to do a career uh, presentation, you know. And so anyway, so I did my career pre presentation. I said, well, you know, I said, I'm called as a pastor. And I said, Jesus called me into the ministry. <laughs> and because I used Jesus, they were so mad at me. You know, they didn't ask me to come back. But you know what? When it gets so bad, they will ask me to come back. Because they need Jesus in the public schools. Amen. We will rebuild. We will, we will rebuild, and we will see the goodness of God. I'm going to close by having you go to Psalms 37 with me. Psalms 37 is the heritage. It's a psalm written for the heritage of the righteousness. And uh, as I read it, and I might not read all, all the way through it, but as I read it, I want to point out some things that this particular passage of Scripture points out to us. Psalms 37, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light. Are you in the righteousness of God? Absolutely. I mean, all of a sudden, man, boom, everybody's going to see. Is there darkness in our world today? Is there challenges in our world today? Well, he's going to bring you forth as the answer to the darkness that's in the world. And your justice is new day. Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who's prospering in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Have we seen or have we heard about some wicked schemes going on? Don't fret about it. You know, don't, don't, don't get in turmoil over it. Don't get upset about it. You know, continue to trust in the Lord. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm, for the evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet 
a little while, the wicked shall no more. Indeed, you'll look carefully for his place, but you shall see them no more. It's the meek who shall inherit the Lord. What are the meek? Those are the ones who allow God to put you in right standing. They allow you to put God in God. They allow God to put you in right standing. It was very, very meek on our part for Pastor Bob to say, don't sit here. Come up here and sit with me. We had to allow somebody else who had the authority to put us back in right standing. You have to allow. That call, that's called meekness. Allow the Lord to put you. So the meek, what shall they do? They shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while the wicked, verse 10, uh, shall be no more. Verse 11, the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight itself in the abundance of peace. The wicked, they plot against the just and gnash their teeth at them. And the Lord laughs at them. And he sees his day coming. The wicked have drawn a sword, but look at this. Have bent their bow. They've cast down the poor and the needy. They slay those who are upright of conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has and is better than riches of many wicked. What does that mean? God says, because you're in right standing, I'm going to take what you have that's little and I'm going to multiply it to much. I'm going to multiply it to much. Now, the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, were they in right standing with God? Did he provide for them manna from heaven? Absolutely he did. Did he provide a cloud over them to travel by day to keep them from the heat of the day? And a cloud at night to give them warmth at night? A fire, pillar, pillar of fire at night so they can be warmed at night? Sure he did. Why? Because he decided that they were his chosen. They were in right standing with him. Were they perfect? No, but they were his chosen. And because they're, you're his chosen, you are in right standing with him. They shall not be afraid of, uh, of, of evil time, and in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Look at this, verse 21. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. In other words, because you're the righteous of God, you'll have enough to give for every good work. Verse 25. I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants ever begging for bread. You know what your righteousness does? It leaves a legacy for your children and your children's children to be blessed. I believe that with my whole heart. That leaves that legacy for your children and your children's children to be blessed. Verse 29, the righteousness shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. Verse 32, the wicked watch the righteous, and they seek to slay him. What did I say earlier? Hey, the, you know, people will criticize you for being uh, successful in life. They don't want you to be successful in life. They don't, they don't want the glory of God to uh, manifest in your life. Verse 37, mark the blameless man and observe the upright, or that's the righteous, for the future of that man is peace. Or the word peace, the best layman term for the word peace is nothing missing, nothing broken. Or, or uh, also means everything is complete. The fullness of God. That's what peace really means. Shalom. The fullness of God. Verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them, and he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they put their trust in him. 
So I'm going to do something that I don't normally do, but I'm going to ask you to take this week and read Psalms 37 every day in your devotion. And get a hold of this upright, what God's going to do for the upright, what God's going to do for the righteous. Get this mindset that if God's going to do it for anybody, he's going to do it for you because he's put me in right standing with him. And in doing that, what is he doing? He's glorifying himself through his blessing you and baptizing you in his favor and causing everything that you put your hands to to prosper. Now, I said I was going to read that last scripture, and I was finished, but I forgot a scripture here that I want to share with you. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. He's referring to the righteousness there. Because if you're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly or sitting in the seat of the scornful, what are you doing? You're walking in the righteousness of God, aren't you? And everything that you put your hands to shall prosper. So you should walk out of this place today knowing that this week, regardless of whatever you do, wherever you work, somehow it's going to be a prosperous week. That everything that God, everything that you put your hands to, God's going to prosper. Everywhere you go, there's going to be favor. You know, I don't know if you're going to buy something over Labor Day weekend and get one of these sales, but you need to walk into that store knowing that if there's a better price, you're going to get it. That God's going to cause you to buy low and sell high. Glory to God. God's going to cause everything that you put your hands to prosper. He's going to make you the head only and above only and not beneath. And he's going to bless all that you put your hands to. Why? Because you're in right standing with him. And it glorifies him to bless you. It glorifies him to baptize you in the favor of God. And to just just smother you with his blessings. That's what God wants to do for your your life. In fact, it says, one scripture says that his blessings will overtake you. Amen? Amen? Let the blessings of God overtake you so that it glorifies him. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.